You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Good morning, church. How are we all doing today? Thank you to the band for that beautiful, beautiful piece. Were we all blessed by that? Awesome. Let's give it up for the band. All right. People have cut my time by 11 minutes. I can't see. Sorry, I just had to say that because the time that I was given and the time I'm seeing are different, but I'll try to be quick. So good morning again, everyone. My name is Felicia, and I'm here to share with us all this morning. Um, so we've been talking about the honor code for the past few weeks. Is it just me or is there... Hello? There's like a weird echo. Is it just me? Can you guys hear me clearly? Okay. I think you, you, you need to turn something down because there's like a weird... Better, thank you. Okay. So we've been talking about... It's back. Devil, we come against you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so we've been talking about stewarding our talent and our time in a way that honors God. And to, Oh, they increased my time. Clap for the timekeepers, guys. They increased my time. Thank you, guys. That was the Holy Spirit working with you. Thank you. All right, so today we're going to be talking about being a kingdom addict. How many of us have heard about that kingdom addict? No? Okay, a few people have heard about it. How many of us have heard about addictions? How many of us here are addicted to the right things? Hallelujah. Not to Netflix. Yeah? Yeah? Are we addicted to the right things? We will be today in the mighty name of Jesus. Okay. So our anchor scripture is one of my favorite, absolute favorite scriptures, and it's Matthew 6, 33. Um, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. Ah, God, this thing, please help me with this sound. It's really bothering me. You know, I'm getting older. Somehow it's causing vibrations. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm going to read from two different um, translations, the Amplified and the Message Translation. So the first one is, but first and most importantly, seek, which is Amat, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, hallelujah, and all these things will be given to you also. The message version says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. Don't worry about FOMO. Is in the Bible. FOMO is there. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm going to start with a story. If you know me, you know I like to tell stories, so just, you know, bear with me. So I'll start with a story, and then we'll get deep into the, into the message. So a few years ago, um, about six, five, six years ago, six years ago now, I was going through a very interesting season in my life. Um, so I was working. I had a good job and, you know, all the things that are considered to be good. And I was going through a series of attacks. When I say attacks, I don't mean like asthma attack. I mean like spiritual attacks. How many of us here know what spiritual attacks are? Yeah? There's a few people in the audience that, that will feel me. A whole bunch of spiritual attacks. And a lot of them were coming from work. How many of us have ever felt like we're being spiritually attacked at work? Somebody laughed a deep depth of laughter as it is happening to her. Anybody else in the house? Yeah? Anyway, so I was going through a series of attacks, my health, all kinds of strange things were happening to me. Now, the reason I knew that it was coming from work was because I'm a dreamer, right? And I, got, I had a series of dreams where God was kind of showing me what was going on. But, you know, then I was still, 
I was, you know, I was a Christian, but I wasn't, you know, as deep as I am now, you know. So I was just like, what are all these dreams? Eh, is it possible? Spiritual attack, is it real? In the office, eh, really? Anyway, I had back-to-back-to-back dreams and back-to-back-to-back things that were happening to me that kind of showed me that that was what was going on. So I remember um, I was talking to one of my aunties one day, and I was just whining and complaining about all the things that were happening and how angry I was. And then she says to me, why don't you serve in church? And I was like, eh, what do you mean? As in seven, I was in work in church. I was like, what does that even mean? The most I'd ever done serving in church, let me be honest, was as a teenager, my sister and I, with our lack of singing voices, joined the choir in my parents' Baptist church. Yeah. And we couldn't sing, but, you know, they allowed us to join the choir. That's the most I had ever done. And that was obviously many, many years ago. So I thought to myself, eh, serving church, okay. Let me see what that's about. So on Sunday, so this was when Elevation was actually still here at this venue. And I remember sitting somewhere around there because then we used to look this way, not look this way. So the pastor was here. And I was sitting somewhere over there with my husband. And, you know, I was just thinking about what my auntie had said. I was listening to the service. And then during the announcements, I see Tolu Adelowo, who is not around today. But if you guys know Pastor Tolu, I see him on the screen. And I think to myself, oh, Tolu looks like he serves in church. If not, he wouldn't be on screen. I should ask Tolu after the service, what he was doing on the screen, right? So after the service, let me add, Tolu is a very good family friend of me and my husband. We've known him for a long time. So, so after the service, I see Tolu and his wife, Lola, outside, just outside there, how we all used to hang out outside before the pandemic. And, you know, I say to Tolu, oh, Tolu and Lola, how far? You know, I saw you on the screen. What do you do? You know, I would like to join whatever it is you are doing. And they looked at me like, oh, really, you want to join? I was like, yeah, I want to join. I didn't ask what it was about, so I just said I want to join. So that's how I now said I want to join. They introduced me to Pastor Idris, a.k.a. P.I. And, you know, it was all like, oh, so you want to join what we're doing? I'm like, yeah, just tell me about it, you know. And then that's how I joined 618. Any 618ers in the house? <laughs> Woohoo! All right, great. And that's how I went and I joined 618, thinking I was just joining one unit where I'll be talking because I like to talk. <laughs> the joke was on me severely. So we used to have amazing meetings once a month. You know, we would worship, we would pray. It was just awesome. It was a fantastic time, you know. And for all what I was going through in that season of my life, it was just amazing. It was soothing. I felt like God was really ministering to me, you know, through 618. And so, you know, I joined 618. We are doing our 618 thing. Once a month, JJ, I'm still going to Elevation every Sunday with my family. Then one day we're in a meeting and P.I. says some, something about the church we're starting in January. Ah, So me, I'm like, eh, I didn't get that memo. Church in January. No, that wasn't part of my own plan. So I go to him after the meeting. I'm like, sir, just so you know, I won't be able to be in this group anymore because, you know, I go to church with my family. I have two children and a husband. We go to Elevation Church. And so I can't be part of this group anymore. So he looks at me and says, okay, so me, I don't have children. Ah. I'm like, I mean, why do you have to take it there? Like... It wasn't even that serious. I was just expressing myself, you know. And he's like, don't worry. You'll make it work. You'll be fine. And I was like, eh. Anyway, so as at January 2016, LifePoint was born. Hallelujah. And here we all are today. So, you know, so I'm at LifePoint, you know. We're continuing with our vibing. We're all doing everything. A whole bunch of us, you know, we're just doing everything that needs to be done, you know, for the services to run and all that good stuff. Now, we started doing the God Experiences that January as well during service, just like we do now. Hello, babies. God bless you. Just like we do now. And um, I had given my God experience in January of 2016. And my, my God experience is a whole nother story. It was about, you know, God healing me, childbirth, delivery, and all that good stuff. 
Then in February of 2016, I was at Elevation um, doing a service that Pastor Godman was preaching about being a kingdom addict. And he was preaching out of Matthew 6.33, which I read at the beginning. And that sermon just captivated me. Have you guys ever felt like a sermon? Maybe like the preacher, when he was writing it, God must have given him your name and your address. Because surely it was for me, you know. I was just completely enthralled by that whole entire sermon. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this sermon is just for me, you know. And it was amazing. And then at the end of the sermon, I was certain I heard God say to me, this, is really, this sounds really random, but follow me. I'll get there. Open up your Instagram page. Uh-uh. So at this point, I'm like, do you know what? First of all, God, I'm not opening up my Instagram page because I'm private and I don't do things like that. People that have open Instagram pages, I don't know what's wrong with them. It's not necessary. You know, and I'm having this whole dialogue. This is me walking out of church, having this dialogue internally, you know, arguing with God about opening up my Instagram page. Very angry. That I, God, how far now? How can I do that? Then the following morning, so I, in that season, I, I, I used to pray with a friend of mine every morning at 6 a.m. So we're praying and I was like, hmm, guess what happened yesterday? Hmm. In service, God said I should open up my Instagram page. Can you imagine? And she's like, okay, I don't understand. What's the problem? I said, I'm not going to do that. She goes, really? So you want to disobey God because of Instagram? And I'm like, you know, I don't like it when friends like you behave like that. Like, did you really have to put it that way? Like, really? You know? So obviously, I felt very, very silly. And I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll open it, you know? So very begrudgingly, oh my goodness, like I, I like had moments of freezing. I opened up my Instagram page which sounds like it's not even a big deal at this point in my life, but then it was such a big deal. Anyway, so I opened up my Instagram page, and then the week after that, LifePoint posts my God experience on the LifePoint page. And all of a sudden, I have like an influx of people messaging me, WhatsApping me, and asking me all these questions about what happened to me, and you know, just how I got through that period, and all that good stuff. So in my mind, I was like, okay, this is why God wanted me to open up my Instagram page, you know, because in my mind, I knew, you know, I mean, I know God so well. I know everything that he's thinking, right? So I was certain that that was all he wanted to do with that whole episode. So I was like, okay, now I understand. God, I'm good with you. I'm cool with you now. You know, I understand what you were trying to do. You were trying to get me to talk to people. I don't mind that, you know, all that good stuff. And then a whole bunch of things started to happen. Now, when I say a whole bunch of things started to happen, it's a lot of things that I cannot go through today. But in summary, and I wrote it down so that I would stay focused, there were so many things that just opened up for me. First of all, I started meeting people that I would probably ordinarily never have met. And even if I had met them, I would have met them in a different setting. So I, so, so I started meeting all these amazing people who started connecting me to all kinds of amazing things. So different opportunities, different development, just all sorts of things. Now, outside of that as well, I started to get activated even more in my spiritual gifts, right? So I told you guys that I'm a dreamer. I started dreaming a lot more than I had ever dreamt before. I started taking my dreams a lot more seriously. I started journaling my dreams and all this good stuff. And I actually wrote a book last year about dreams. Who would have thought it? Really, really amazing stuff. Now, me before, like just going back and looking at everything, there's nothing that I am doing today or that I have done in the past like four or five years that if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have told you, yeah, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be writing a book about dreams. I would have laughed. In fact, I, I, I remember somebody prophesying to me many years ago that you're going to write a book about dreams. And I really looked at her like she was crazy because I was like, these prophetic people, they can just be somehow. Me, first of all, I don't even like to write. That's number one. So how am I going to write a book about dreams? But it's amazing how when you obey God, even in the little things, he just opens up a whole whirlwind of things to happen for you. You know. Now, another thing that happened that was very interesting, so that same year, that same 2016, we um, had a global workers meeting at Elevation. So then we all used to gather at Elevation for the workers meetings, all the different expressions. And at the end of 
of the meeting, there was a table with different flyers and all that. And I had seen, a, you know, a flyer about speakers training. And it just really, you know, was calling my name. It was like, hi, Felicia, pick me up. So I picked it up and I was like, oh, this is a speaker's training. I should sign up for it. So I signed up for it and it was a great, great training. I learned a lot. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people started asking me to come and speak about different things. You know, come and speak about your faith, come and speak about this, come and speak about that. The reason I'm going through this story in this order is I want you to understand that there are many things that God is asking all of us, myself included, to do. And sometimes there are things that might not seem so big in the grand scheme of life, right? Like, I mean, really, guys, what is opening up an Instagram page? But to you, it might be a big deal for whatever personal reasons. And you might be holding back and saying to God, no, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it. But when you do it, all kinds of things are unlocked. Because what God does is that he unlocks levels, right? So it's literally like, who plays all those video games? I don't play them, but I know that when you get to a certain point, a new level is unlocked, right? So you literally get from level to level to level with God. So it's very, very important that we obey God even in what we think is random. Now, ever since then, I have obviously been deeper with my work with God. A lot of the drama that was happening to me at work stopped. Now, it didn't stop because I wasn't getting attacked. It stopped because of my new reality in God, right? And me standing in my position as an heir to the kingdom and knowing that there were things that even if the devil is attacking me, he doesn't have to touch me. And even if he does touch me, I know that God has my back. So that's what happened. Um, and, you know, I realized that in addition to all what I've said, that there's a space in all of our lives that only God can fill. So many of us are also looking for things, right, in different ways. And maybe you have a space and an addiction to Netflix or an addiction to baby girl lifestyle or whatever is currently filling that space. And what you really need is God. And sometimes it takes you going through a process of something that is seemingly difficult or a hard time in your life or what might seem like attacks for God to get your attention and draw him nearer to you. So if there's anybody in here that's going through anything, I want you to be assured that this is a sign that good things are coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So I'm going to go through what I have prepared for the, ser for the sermon. And then we're going to pray because I really have prayer plans for us today. Ban, please, you're going to help me during prayer time. Where is this for Labi? Because I sent him a message yesterday. It's, sorry, is he not taking pictures? Because I saw him with the camera. Wonderful. A multi-talented man. Hallelujah. He will not let any of those talents go to waste. Okay. So I'm going to go through this and then we're going to pray. And my deepest prayer for everybody here today is that we go through encounters, deep encounters with God that will cause us to draw closer to him and cause us all to be kingdom addicts. Can we agree that that's going to happen today? Can we all say amen? Amen. amen? All right, great. Okay, so let's do English class. What is an addict? What is an addict? Anybody? Addict. Just throw out a word. Addict. Say? Obsession. Beautiful. Addict. When you think about addicts, what do you think? Something you can't do without. Wonderful. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You are obsessed or possessed by something. You cannot do without it. Um, in fact, that's exactly what I wrote, what you two said. Thank you so much. An addict also allows themselves to be influenced and controlled by that thing in which they are addicted to. Ah, may we be addicted to the right things in Jesus' name because that is really scary. Like being controlled by something, you know. And so, when we're talking about being a kingdom addict, it is that you are influenced and controlled by God. You are influenced and controlled by things of the kingdom. You know, you are not just influenced by... Okay, I was going to crack a joke, but I think maybe I shouldn't. But 
we're influenced by the right things, right? We're not influenced by the world. And there's so much scripture that speaks about, you know, how we shouldn't be conformed to worldly things, but we should be conformed to kingdom things. And so the influence that the kingdom brings into our lives is where we're supposed to be. And now what will happen when you are more intentional about being influenced by God's kingdom is that it will affect every area of your life. Um, and when I say every area, I mean every area, but I'll speak about that more as we go along. So what are a few things that becoming or being a kingdom addict um, does? The first thing, um, really, we're going into the direction of a life that would honor God. And these are the things that then you should be doing, right? So the first thing is you should be prioritizing the will of God above all else, right? So you shouldn't have FOMO. I mean, you probably have FOMO and it's okay. You know, it's your human, it's your flesh speaking. But when the FOMO comes, you need to talk to the FOMO and tell it to get behind you because you are a kingdom kid and you're not going to fall for the FOMO. You're going to prioritize kingdom things above FOMO. Hallelujah. We're going to also prioritize kingdom things above our comfort mentality. So remember how I told my story about how I didn't want to open up my Instagram page. Obviously, there's something in my head that thought I was in my comfort zone by being private and I felt like, oh, being public is something. But for you, it might be something more serious because that sounds a bit random. It might be something more serious, but you are in a comfort zone and you are not letting God kind of get into your comfort zone because of whatever reason. And being a kingdom addict means that you have to let God in. I mean, imagine people like Daniel and Joseph. Have you guys ever really thought deeply about Daniel and Joseph and just wondered, like, how? You know, like, these guys were, like, living in, like, serious pagan kingdoms. I know a lot of us feel like Nigeria sometimes can appear to be a pagan kingdom. Seriously. But... This is nothing compared to what those guys were living in. You know. Imagine your ruler, your leader, as in your boss, being somebody that worships pagans. And then there you are trying to hold steadfast to the Lord. Now, mind you, Daniel and Joseph were quite young. So all of you in here that think that you are young, don't think that you are too young. Because they were actually quite young when they started out on their journey. And... They were resilient, and they stuck through it all. And don't forget also that in the case of Daniel, he was actually captured from his land. As in, God forbid, as in, imagine, sorry, this is, I'm, not, I'm just seeing example. Being captured from Lagos and being taken to a pagan kingdom. For some of you people in this room, maybe even me included, all those things that they have been teaching you in church will just pew, fly out of your head. But imagine that these guys were steadfast, even when thrown into the lion's den, even when threatened, they were steadfast. So we have to remember those stories so that we also keep ourselves motivated when we need to. Now, when you prioritize God's will, he will sort out every single area of your life. So your relationships, your career, your development, your friendships, your finances, you know, all those different areas. And that's not me just talking. It's actually the truth. God does begin to sort out those things. How many of us know that sometimes the key to our next level, the key to our breakthrough is in a person or is in a bunch of people? How many of us know that? Hey, you people don't know that. Okay, some people know that. Eh? Yay, Pastor Busola. We have to do work in this place. So many people don't know that. That's, do, do you guys know that sometimes all you need is one person to answer all of those questions or all of those problems that you've been experiencing? Yeah? You know that, right? Let me give you an example. There was a job I worked a while ago. I'm not that old. Right? I'm not, I sounded like I'm old because all these jobs have worked. But I'm just, you know... Yeah, you understand. Anyway, there was a job I worked a while ago, and I hated it. When I say hated it, oh my gosh. I used to ask God every day, God, why me? Who did I offend? And I couldn't resign from the job because God wouldn't let me resign from the job, and other things would also not let me resign from the job. 
In fact, I think God put those other things that won't let me resign. Because if it was just him, he knew that I would probably have resigned. <laughs> oh, God, have mercy. Anyway, so, you know, I used to just ponder every day. And then finally, I said, okay, do you know what? I'm stuck here. Let me just make the best of it. And then one policy came. One single policy came for the whole entire industry. And that policy saved me from that job. One policy. And not only did that policy save me from that job, that policy also helped me get to my next level. Now, the reason I'm saying that in relation to one thing or people being your key to a next level is that we have to understand that sometimes we're looking for a better job, we're looking for more money, we're looking for a baby, sorry, a bay. Is it called bay these days? Sorry, I've lost track of slang. Bay, like, oh my God. Demi, I won't, I won't take it from you. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Is it called bay or is it not called bay? What do you guys call them, bay? Tell me what you call them. No, tell me what you call them. Okay, great. You're looking for a bay. You know, maybe the bay you're currently dating is a headache. You, you guys are really laughing at me. Oh, my God. Holy shock, can you see your life? I remember when I used to do this to, to older people, and you guys are doing it to me. God will forgive all of you. Anyway, you're looking for a bay, or the bay that you currently have sucks, you know, and you want a better bay. Meanwhile, God has a plan for you behind all of that, and all it takes is maybe you talking to one person or you connecting with one person, and God has probably been putting that person in your space, but you are just ignoring it because you don't realize the importance of people when it comes to getting to your next level. So guys, when we are on this mission, let's remember that God sometimes will not just give you an alert of one million naira just from nowhere. Sometimes that alert is coming through a person, and we have to be very intentional about our relationships. But don't let me digress, because I like talking about relationships at networking, in case you cannot tell. So the whole thing about getting connection, connected to destiny helpers and people that would unlock your next level really, really comes from this as well. Because when you start to prioritize God's kingdom, he starts linking you with people. Guys, there are people that God has linked me with that I'm like, eh, how? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, there's no way that I would ever have met that person in this regard, if not for this thing. So it's very, very important that we pay attention to that. All right, second thing is prioritizing people, 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 people. How many of us here pray for our friends? Ask our friends, do you have a prayer point? Ah, ah, there are some prayer warriors in the house. So they put hands, I didn't even finish talking, their hands were already up. Okay, how many of us here actually ask our friends for their prayer points every now and then? Or you see your friend going through a rough time and you say to them, you know what, just give me your prayer points. If you, if I, if, if you can't even give me, I'll give you prayer points for yourself because you need help. I did this one, one of my friends the other day. I said, don't worry. I will compose the prayer points and I will send them to you. But no, seriously, those things are very important because everybody is going through something at different points in time. And so you need to understand that you need to learn how to prioritize people. I know many of us, well, you know, we're going through so much. Oh my God, life is so hard. The dollar is like, oh my God. But guys, the dollar though. Let's not talk about the dollar. Let's just leave it. But you know, all these things are happening and it seems like, you know, your 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 income is getting less and Lagos is getting more and more stressful and there's insecurity and there's all these things. But guys, even with all that, we have to learn how to prioritize people because life is not just all about us. I'm sorry to have broken that to you, but it's not all about you. Sometimes you have to think about other people as well. And so we have to learn how to prioritize people. You know, I really love the fact that in Genesis, God was telling Abraham his secrets. Do we re remember that when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he told Abraham, because he said that he could not keep a secret from his friend. Ah, my gosh. That needs to be me and God, man. Felicia, I can't keep a secret from you. I'm just going to tell you everything that's going to happen. Amen. I receive it. You know, but just imagine 
the kind of level that Abraham was on with God, that God felt the need to tell him. And guess what Abraham did? He started praying for them. Some of you will get the secret and you're like, hey, I said it. In that Sodom and Gomorrah, sin, sin, sin every day. It's about time that they all just die. No, Abraham did not do that. He was praying for them. Praying for them. So sometimes when God is even revealing things to you about your friends or your colleagues or your boss, he wants you to pray for them. Right? So guys, let's learn how to prioritize people as we work on becoming a kingdom addict. Let us share in the burdens of, you know, our family members, our friends, and all that. Um, even beyond praying for people, prioritizing people also means helping people whenever you get the opportunity. So if you hear that somebody is looking for a job and there's an opening in your office, can you please just tell the person, oh, can you apply? You know what I mean? Like, if you have a friend that, you know, maybe is a caterer, and somebody is looking for a caterer, can you recommend your friend? Like, just do things that help people around you beyond just, you know, hanging out with them and being their friend. Actually look for intentional ways to help other people. Alrighty. The third thing is partnering with God. So I know that we've been talking about talent and time. So today we'll talk a bit more about financial resources, right? So partnering with God is partnering with God with all your resources. Now, our resources are beyond money because I feel like whenever we talk about resources, a lot of people just think about money. Your talents are a resource. Look at Falabi, he's a singer. Now he's taking picture. I mean, the man is using his talents for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But the point I'm trying to make here is that it's not just about money. It's not just about your time. It's also about your talent. It's about what you can give to the kingdom outside of just your financials. All right? So there's a scripture in um, 1 Corinthians 4, 7 that I want to read really quickly. And it says, and what do you have that you did not receive? Hmm. You know, when I read this kind of scriptures, it really makes me do like a Yoruba woman. Hmm. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? Auntie, in the green skirt, so cute. What do you have that you did not receive? Uncle, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything that you have is from God. Everything. Everything that I have is from God. Every single thing, even things that we consider to be random. Now, if you did indeed receive it, hmm, why do you boast as if you had not received it? As in, you're just boasting like you are the one that gave yourself all that talent. Oh, you are so smart. Oh, you are so good at what you do at work. Oh, your talent is so good. Oh, you sing so well. Oh, you take good pictures. Oh, you are good at accounting. Oh, you are good. Oh, hey, you know, I'm just so good at it. Really, who gave you? Oh, yeah, who gave you? Tell me, who gave you? You people are not sure who gave you. Exactly. So if we received it from God, then when God is asking us to use it in other ways, what do we do? Thank you. We obey. We obey and we give it back. So we must honor God with what we have and all the things that he has given to us, all of those talents and all of those resources. Now, the parable of the talents, one of my favorite, you know, sometimes the parable of the talent, like when I was younger, it used to scare me. Anybody else here that that parable used to scare as a child? Be honest. A few people had, I can see you raising your hand very small. Why are you not proud about this? Me, I raised my hand. It used to scare me as a child. It used to scare me because I was like, eh, I didn't really understand it, you know, like when I was a child. But as I'm getting older, I get it. God is saying that he has given you seed. What do we do with seed? Sorry? Exactly. When you plant seed in good soil, what happens? When you plant seed in funky soil, what happens? Exactly. So your talents, all these gifts and things that you guys have, they are all seed that God has planted inside of you. And he doesn't want you to just be looking at it every day and saying, oh, talent, you are so nice. I'm going to just pass you, you know, in my house and in my office and that's it. No, he wants you to plant it so that it would grow. He wants you to multiply your talent. Because remember that in the parable of the talents, talents were actually multiplied. To whom had used his, more was given. And to the one that did not use his own, what happened? What happened? 
Exactly. So we have to use our talents so that they can be multiplied. Plant them as seed. Don't just store them. Now, the other thing is, I know that we all hear this, but we know that givers do not lack, right? Please, can you put up Galatians 6, 7 for me? Thank you. Galatians 6, 7 is talking about how givers do not lack. Now, we are talking about all ways of giving. Financially, talent-wise, time-wise, resource-wise. You will not lack. Sometimes what you are lacking in money, you don't even need the money for it. How many of you have experienced something where you needed money for something, but then you didn't get the money, but you got that thing? Yeah? Because it's not always about money. Sometimes you are sowing money, you are sowing talent, and you are reaping it in other ways. Some of you, your parents have sowed things that you are reaping, or you are enjoying the benefits and the fruits of your parents' labor. Do you know? Do we know that, actually? Do we know that? Excellent. I'm glad that we know that, because I know sometimes when parents come into the matter, people are just like, yeah, whatever. Sorry, I'm a parent, and I have a 10-year-old, so now I'm beginning to think, you know, like, I wonder about how children think about their parents. And you are not children, you are adults. But the point is, sometimes when we think about our parents, we don't realize that there's a lot of things that your parents have actually sown, that the good that's happening in your life is actually you reaping from that. So when you are also living your life, please sow good seed for your children. Please. Can we do that? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is the scripture up? Okay. Aha. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Yeah. Now, I know that we like to, oh, you know, you know, God will forgive. God, yes, he's a great guy. He's going to forgive and all that. But the truth is that, listen, guys, if you are constantly sowing badness, you will reap badness. And it's not a curse. It's in the Bible. You can see it's behind me. So please let us endeavor to sow good. Our finances, our talents, our resources, helping people, you know, just being very, very intentional about living a kingdom-style life. Like, imagine what a kingdom-style life would be and imagine yourself in it and imagine what that would translate into and be more intentional about living that life. All right. Now, the next thing is obedience. Ooh, obedience, obedience, obedience. Now, kingdom addiction and obedience go hand in hand. Because what's going to happen is that God will start telling you to do certain things. And you can't behave like me when I was being stubborn. You actually have to obey him. Now, when it comes to obedience, something else that I've noticed with God is that it, it starts with little, little things. Is there anybody here who has ever had an experience where God told you to wear something on a day? Maybe don't wear that, wear this. Yeah? And then on that day, at some point, you're like, okay, this is why God said I should wear this thing. Yeah, it's little things. So if God cannot trust you to listen to simple wear something, how is he going to trust you with $1 billion? And the whole room was silent. Everybody was silent. But really, guys, we really have to be serious about obedience because it grows. It's from something little, it becomes something bigger, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So obedience is extremely important when you're talking about kingdom addiction. Um, when you are actually addicted to something, you're actually obeying it, right? All those things that you're addicted to, you obey them. For all of you that have private addictions here, we won't talk about it, but think about it. You actually obey it. It's, it's, it's like it's calling your name and you're saying, yes, yes, I'll do this, I'll do that. So you hear it and you action. So when you hear God, you need to action. Obedience is an action word. You need to actually do what it is that God is asking you to do. And as you do more and more of it, you see how you become even better at it. It actually gets easier to obey God when you start to obey with little things and it kind of grows, you know, it kind of develops into a bigger thing. All right. Now, the next thing is stewardship or ownership. Hmm. So, let's talk about stewardship. Okay, before I talk about stewardship, can anybody just talk about, like, 
Tell me what comes to your mind when you hear stewardship and when you hear ownership. Is it the same thing? Is it different? Is it kind of, no, it's not the same thing. No, it's not. It's not. Okay. Anybody else? Does it kind of sound like it's almost like the same thing? Almost. Okay. So stewardship essentially is you have been given something to manage, right? So something has been entrusted in your care, right? So somebody travels and gives you the keys to their car. Beautiful lady in blue. They have given you the car to be a steward of it. They didn't dash you the car. You're not the owner of the car. Don't go and now say that the car is your own, right? You're stewarding the car while the person is away, right? And the person comes back and they say, give me back my car key. You just say, take your car key. Ownership, on the other hand, is it belongs to you, right? So it's yours. You bought the car. It's in your name. All that good stuff. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry to disappoint you, but all the things that God has put inside of you, they're actually not, they are your own, but they're not really your own. You are a steward. Even if you are a parent here, how many parents do we have in the house? How many parents do we have in the house? My goodness. All the old people are not in church today. You guys should leave Demilade alone. You should leave Demilade alone. Okay, your spiritual children. Hallelujah. All right. Now, <laughs> even with children, you're actually a steward of your children. Your parents, you are not, you are their own, but they are your steward, right? God gave them to you to help him steward, right? And so when you're thinking about stewardship and ownership, you have to be really, really, really careful that you don't get, okay, I'm just going to keep on talking because the mic is working even though the lights are off. All right. Because even though you were given to them as a child, they are really just your steward, you know, to guide you and all that good stuff. For those of you here that have younger siblings or people that maybe you mentor or you talk to or you help, God has given them to you to steward. A lot of you here have younger siblings or younger people that you, you know, talk to, you are helping them out in different things and all that. You are stewarding for them, yeah? Now, there's a lot going on around the world right now. I'm sure that we all know. Um, with this pandemic, everything is just absolutely crazy. There's a wealth shift, wealth distribution apparently going on. Who is, who is available for that wealth distribution? Please, me, I'm very available for it, God. As in, I'm so available, like, on all levels. And I can see that many of us in here are available. Now, God is only going to give wealth to kingdom people that he knows are going to use it as steward, not as owner. Did you hear that? Should I say it again? You are going to use this as a steward, not as an owner. It's not the one that today you get all this money. The first thing you are thinking is, ha, Baba God has done it for me. Everybody's going to hear it. They're going to hear him. As in, I'm going to buy all those things I've been planning to buy. No, 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 calm, calm down. God wants you to have nice things. But when God is giving you finances to steward, there's more that he's expecting of you, right? So, me, I'm here for the wealth transfer, and I'm sure that all of us are here too. There's a whole distribution going on right now where God is giving people a lot, you know, and taking away from some people to transfer to other people. And it's really because the kingdom of God needs to continue to grow. So if God is giving you money right now, I want you to think about what you're going to do with the money properly. And have a stewardship mindset and not an ownership mindset. And not just with your finances, with your talent, with your... Okay. You want to put something on? Okay, with your talent, with your resources, with your networks, with your money, just have a stewardship mindset that you are stewarding these things and you're going to use it to help other people around you. You're going to use it to benefit the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. All right, now, there is a, there's, there's two interesting scriptures that kind of show the opposites of ownership and stewardship. I will try to read it very quickly, but I don't think that the screen is up. So we might have to read it from our Bibles. Okay, so I'm going to use two scriptures very quickly. The first one is um, the story about Zacchaeus, short Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 1 to 10. I like that Zacchaeus, Sha. Anytime I read his story, I just like him. The guy jumped on a tree, Sha, as in he went on it. How many of you can jump on a tree to try and see Jesus? Tree to see Jesus? 
Everybody's just looking at Okay, a few people are saying, oh, okay, I'm happy that three people in the whole room will climb a tree to see Jesus. That's really nice. Jesus is very happy with the rest of you. So <laughs> I'm going to read Luke 19, verses 1 to 10 very quickly. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus had to pass through Jericho. There lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, not just wealthy, very wealthy, who supervised all the tax collectors. He was very eager to see Jesus and kept trying to get a look at him through the massive crowd. Since Zacchaeus was a short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people, he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree to get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I must stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and found himself face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus was amazed over his gracious visits to his home and joyously welcomed Jesus. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own, I will give to the poor. Let me just say that again. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own, I will give that to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay them back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household and that you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Amen. I really like that story of Zacchaeus. You know, in just one conversation, his whole generations were just sorted out. Amazing. Now, the other story, which is the contrast to that, is the rich young ruler in Mark 10, 17 to 22. This one used to scare me when I was a child, but I won't talk about why. So um, it says, as Jesus started on his way, I'm reading from the Passion translation, by the way, in case... You want to follow me? As Jesus started on his way, devil, we come against you. I mean, what's this now? What's the meaning of it? Okay, uh-huh. thank you. Okay. As Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him. Kneeling down in front of him, he cried out, good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Now, can you see this story? He's the one I went to go and ask school. It's not like Jesus called him and just said, this is what you need to do. He went to go and ask Jesus what he should do. Jesus responded saying, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You already know you you already know the oh goodness okay can we put them off as in we don't really need them please thank you all right um you already know the commandments do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not give a false testimony do not cheat and honor your father and mother the man said to jesus teacher i have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth oh youth can you hear Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad, for he was extremely rich. Now, can we see the difference in these two stories, right? Here is somebody who thinks that he's completely righteous. I mean, he said there's no commandment that he has broken according to him. He said everything since his youth he has obeyed. Meanwhile, we have Zacchaeus who is like, you know what, I, it's true, as in I'm a mess up, you know, I've collected more money from people than I should have, blah, blah, blah. But look at the contrast in... But look at the contrast in what happened to them at the end of the stories. And that just shows us about what our heart condition should be. God is not asking everybody here that you should go and drop all the money in your account. But God needs your heart to be in the right place. 
He needs your heart to be in the place where you see yourself as a steward of the things that he has given to you and not an owner. Because if you don't understand the code of stewardship, then you probably have a lot of issues during your kingdom journey. Because what will happen is that the things that God has given you, maybe to watch over for a period and do something else with, you are constantly just doing other things with it because you are not stewarding it as he, as he has asked you to do. So let's be accountable and let's also steward the things that God has asked us to do. Hallelujah. Are we going to do that? Amen. 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 Okay. So I'm going to summarize and then we're going to pray, even though the... Light is not working. Are the mics working for the band? Are your mics working? Fantastic. Okay. I'm going to need you soon, lovely lady in red, to sing some songs for me, but I'll let you know what they are very soon. Thank you. So I love your hair color, by the way. I was eyeing this when you were singing. So beautiful. So I want to summarize this way. The way that God transformed my thinking personally, and I think it's always good to relate these things to what has happened to us personally so that, you know, we really understand. I would say that one major thing was obviously my faith community, so church, right? So something happened at church that started a chain re reaction in my life. You know, I heard a sermon, the sermon blew my mind, you know, I was enthralled and all that stuff and all those things happened. After that, I was then put, put through a whole process of, you know, God talking to me and me trying to ignore it and me not wanting to do what God had asked me to do, but eventually obeying. Now, after that, a whole bunch of other things happened that needed discernment. So I'm going from your faith community to hearing God's instruction and obeying to being discerning, extremely important. Then fellowshipping with, with other people, right? So after all these things are happening, or as all these things are happening, there are people that are in your life that God wants you to build a bigger fellowship or bigger faith relationship with. Sometimes it's when you're praying with a friend or praying with a family member or whatever that God reveals more things to you or God sends instructions to you. So we have to be very intentional about those that we are fellowshipping with. We can fellowship with all kinds of people, right? And I'm not knocking, you know, people for what they do, but you have to be very intentional if you're trying to grow in the right direction to fellowship with the right kind of people. You know, all of us have those friends. You, you know the friends you call when you want to turn up, correct? I know the friends I mean I call when I want to turn up because me say if I like to turn up, you people don't have the friends that you call when you want to turn up. Eh? You don't? So why are you guys not raising your hands now? Should I come and prop your hand up? <laughs> so you have the friends that you call when you are having real problems, right? As in, when the matter passes you. That's when you call Chineye. Where is Chineye? Chineye, baby girl. You call Chineye and those prayer warriors, right? The point I'm trying to make here is that you have to be very intentional in how you live your life. Your turn-up friends should not be more than your Friends that you call when you have a problem. Hallelujah. So please, if you need to edit, edit some of your relationships, please edit it. Okay. The next thing is stewardship of all that God has entrusted to me, to you, all of us. So our talents, our resources, our finances, all of it. Not just money, but everything. So your money and your talent. Your talents and your resources and all that good stuff. And then just do it, right? So many of us are going through situations where we're having a hard time just doing it. Obedience is hard. I will pray about that today. But we have to obey God. I remember that I had said earlier that one step of obedience opens one door. And then another step, you know, it just keeps going, going, going. It's like a chain reaction, you know. When you obey in one thing, it just unlocks a whole bunch of other things. So you have to be very intentional about obeying God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be praying for a few things. Um, Ban, please, can you help me with I Surrender? That's the song we're going to be singing. We're just going to get right into it. We're not even going to pretend. We're just surrendering. All right. So we're going to sing um, I Surrender. And as we sing, I'm going to be throwing out some scripture and we're going to pray. 
We're praying to God to give us hearts that are addicted to him. Hallelujah. We're praying to God to give us hearts that are addicted to him. We want every single part of us, even the disobedient parts, to be addicted to and to submit to the will of God. Amen? amen. Can I hear your amen louder? Amen. Fantastic. All right. So we're waiting for the band to start singing. And while we wait for them, um, let me just start with the first scripture, which was our anchor scripture, our opening scripture. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The all here is everything. He's saying that, listen, all you need to do is seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things that you're worrying about, your food, your clothes, all those things will be added unto you. Your job, your career, all those things that you desire according to his will. Not just that you desire, or please, listen to what I said, according to God's will, because it's not everything that we desire that is right for us. Do we agree with that? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's begin to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for everybody that's here present. We bless your holy name, God. We give you all the glory that we give you all the praise. Father, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit comes and takes over Everything. this space. And that we all begin to surrender our hearts to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we pray for surrender deep from the hearts of your children. Every aspect of our lives, we surrender to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Master, speak over yourself that you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Speak it over yourself. We declare, Lord, today that every heart that is in this room surrenders to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.